This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week we're killing pimps and wife beaters and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it's, it's supposed to be funny I guess. We've watched spine number 106 in the Criterion Collection. Bertrand Tarvenier's Coup de Torchon from 1981. But first, RJ, how are, how, how are you enjoying life these days? What is, what was the name of the director in the movie again? Uh, that would be uh, Coup de Torchon. Mm, mm-hmm. And uh, the director is uh, Bertrand Tavernier. Mm, very good, very good. I just got to keep you on your toes. Yeah. I'm going to ask you to pronounce several things later on in the show. Oh, boy. Yeah, like profiteroles. That's a hard one. Uh, how's life? Life's all right, man. I got uh, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, you know. Uh, I got a cold. Oh, my God. From... You, you fucking diseased bastards. You know what it is? It's because I've been hanging out at schools lately, like after hours, you know, when all the kids are gone and there's just so many germs everywhere that it's like big time germ city. But uh, it's that and then it's uh, it's cabin season. And with the weather, it's like it's real bad because we still have snow and we we shouldn't. So I've been trying to help out more and I've been outside a lot and I got a cold. Man. And it won't go away, man. But you know what the good news is? I won the basketball pool, baby. You went to the finals? Cold hard cash. I won. You you got those hoops? You hooped it? Yeah. Got the hoop dreams. I won. So uh, uh, the money went in an envelope and Andrea took it and I won't ever see it again. What a what a storyline! Yeah, but it bought me a week of, uh, you know, a refrain from the the belittlement and the uh, the mental abuse and physical punishment. Uh, that it. is life. I love it. Yeah, so that's yeah. pretty good. So equal good and bad, you know. How was your Easter, dude? I know you're a heathen that uh, doesn't believe in the one board, but uh, you do any family <laughs> stuff? You have a dinner or something? Yeah, I did. I did have a dinner. Uh, yeah, what would you eat? Chinese food? Ham. Ham? Did ha- you have turkey too? No. Oh, you fucking animal. What? What would you have uh, for dessert? Uh, my sister made a like peanut butter marshmallow cheesecake. Did you say penis butter? P- yeah, that's what I said, RJ. Penis butter. It's a, it's a de- delicacy. <laughs> Was it good or what? Uh, don't be, you know- she doesn't listen to the show. Don't Don't be afraid to speak your mind. I mean, I, I'm always a sucker for like like marshmallow squares, like peanut butter mm-hmm. marshmallow squares, mm-hmm. or, or the bomb uh, cheesecake. I don't uh, cream cheese, meh. I, <gasps> I, I don't really eat cheesecake at all. So I mean, it was fine. It was good, I guess, for a cheesecake. But uh, real chump. But of course, when it like comes to like leftovers, I just eat the peanut butter part and throw the cream cheese out. It's great. You fucking animal. Yeah. Animal. I'm st- still eating that ham. <laughs> still eating ham. Yeah. You get a little mustard on the side just for dipping. <laughs> Do you just freestyle Do the ham? Do I like, eat my ham with mustard? Oh, RJ. Well, I don't know. You're, you, you you're don't, throwing you don't, away cheesecake. You, you don't fucking know me at all. I, I am. I, I don't. Am, my, I'm, I don't. I'm legend around these neck of the woods uh, for my legendary ham. E- eating my mustard with ham. Mm. Um, I, I drown it. Well, I, I have no idea. I thought you were a fat kid, but apparently you're just throwing cheesecake out left and right. I can't get a gauge on you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's good to know that you have some decency in yourself. Is it a honey mustard or is it just plain old uh, yellow? Good old French's mustard straight French's out of the mustard. yellow bottle. Yeah. Andrea bought French's ketchup 
yep. last week. Oh, did she buy it because uh, her the uh, that campaign of against uh, Heinz's uh, like closing a plant no. down in Toronto? <laughs> no, <laughs> she don't play like that. She, uh, she it was just like it was like twenty cents cheaper or something. There you go. She was scared to tell me. She's like, "Are you going to be mad if we don't have the normal ketchup?" I was like, "What did you do?" <laughs> hey, as long as it's not no name ketchup. Yeah, you don't want that president's choice ketchup because you know there's a person like a thumb in one of those ketchups. Well, it's <laughs> I think it's just the they strike that right balance of uh, sugar, sugar and corn syrup or whatever they they're dumping in there. Because yeah, that's the other thing is like uh, we don't even have ketchup in our house anymore because. I, Why? The, the only thing I eat with ketchup is French fries, and I don't make French fries at home. So the only time I'd ever need it is when I'm out and about. I don't get fast food. I know you see this is the difference between you and I. Uh, you are kind of a, a fast food lord. Who and, said who? <laughs> with all that talk of BK and McDonald's, um, I don't get I don't get Burger King that often. It's a special treat. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a special treat to myself. But uh, I'm surprised you ain't dunking your cat. You don't dunk your burger in a little catsup? I don't eat burgers either, really. Like, I, I really don't. Who um, are you? I, I'm Jared. <laughs> I, no, man. Like, I don't if, know. If I've, I've been, like, saving up my uh, my burger card for a bit, and I'm, like, saving it up for, like, some Five Guys. Uh, for whatever reason, I really like their uh, greasy style of burger. Um, my favorite burger, this is food talk now. Uh, yep. Uh, Lethbridge Lodge here used to have the best hamburger patty around and the only mm. other place i've ever been that had that good a patty was uh, the banff center and uh i don't, I don't live in banff and Lethbridge lodge decided to like not get those burgers anymore or make them that way and now i'm stuck with just shit burgers everywhere so if you're going to eat if you're going to eat like a king man you better make sure that burger's right questionable so five guys i guess is my uh mm, i would go to fat burger over five guys andrea likes five guys too but it's really dirty in there it's a cafeteria just trash people fucking throwing peanuts on the ground. Wow. There's like, there's there's literally trash all over the tables. That place sucks. Uh, you know, uh, my buddy Corey, he got a, I think he, I think he got food poisoning from Fat Burger. So, uh, you have. Fun. Well, you win some, you lose some. Don't, just he, don't... he doesn't like Fat Burger. I don't like Five Guys. So there's no common ground. We can go to Burger King. Yeah, where people sleep in the basement and. Uh... That was debunked. That was moder- <laughs> that one was debunked. Fake news, buddy. Fake news. Okay. So this is the uh, the condiments creep show uh, with the condiment creeps. It's, it's uh, food. I mean, we can the creep. Food? We can creep on food too. I don't know. I like listening. We can. I, I, I like listening to uh, podcasts about certain things, and they just start talking about food. Well, here uh, I'll put it out there. Uh, email in with your favorite burger. Where do you like to go? See, Jarrett makes it sound like I eat fast food all the time. I don't. But, I mean, out of our local joints, we don't have very many uh, actual burger places. Five Guys and Fat Burger are the only real sit-down burger joints. So I would take Fat Burger. But, you know, you can't get much better than that stacker from BK mm-hmm. with a chicken tender crisp on the side and a poutine. Ooh. Ooh. So email in with your junk food. I want to know. What's up? What are you yeah. eating? What are you eating? Who are you eating? Well, I'd like to know what uh, uh, Big Josh is eating while he's in New York City. I mean, it's like the the food capital of the world. I mean, there's this like endless possibilities of cheap food too. I think. Mm. So, what what you been eating? What you been eating, Josh? Speaking of listeners, mm-hmm. RJ, we got an email from Rowan. We, ah, we, we, nice. We, I want to know what they're him. eating. Yeah, we summoned him. He uh, ju- he jumped right on it. Is it right a confirmed it. mail? Uh, I don't know. Or are actually. you just are you just being he, a pig? Uh, I would guess Rowan. 
I don't know. Could be. I don't know. Now, now I'm all confused. I don't know. Well, you can't label people, Jared. Most You're the, part of the problem. Most of the Rowans I've known have been male, but I guess there are female Rowans. It depends Rowans. if it's a real name or if they're named after uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings Towers. Yeah. I don't know. Let us know, Rowan. We don't really care. Okay. You, you <laughs> listener. Uh, guys, thanks for the shout out on your episode. I was really stoked about that. And yes, I have been living life a bit lately. Uh, you assumed correctly, Jared. And don't worry, I'm still creeping and listening along. I was in Amsterdam yesterday. Man, we have like people that like do things. <laughs> we are an internationally successful Catholic podcast about the criteria. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> Uh, that's not, no. Uh, I was in Amsterdam yesterday and I'm in Rome right now. Hey. God dang. Catholicism. Uh, listening to the Spartacus episode, funny enough. But anyway, my question this time around would be, what do you guys think of Once Upon a Time in America? It's one of my favorite films of all time. I would love to hear your opinions on it. Regards, avid fan. Uh, RJ, are you familiar with the film Once Upon a Time in America? Um, why don't you talk for a minute? <laughs> so RJ has no idea what this movie is. I didn't prompt him about this question because I figured he hadn't seen it and he wasn't going to watch it before then. So Once Upon a Time in America is uh, oh. Sergio Leone's uh, film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, by uh, Spaghetti Western, uh, yes. extraordinaire Sergio Leone. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, it's been years since I've watched it. I watched that back when the Warner Brothers finally put that DVD out. And so I haven't even watched like the latest cut of it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like kind of a godfathery type of deal. It's like 1920s. Uh, I think it's Jewish gangsters, if I remember correctly. So it's like kind Jewish of Jewish gangsters. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah. Jewish gangsters. Uh, in Manhattan. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In, in the, the Bronx. Bronx. Yeah. Uh, no, it's like it's got Bobby D. Uh, no, it's like, it's a really good movie. It's been just been for a long, long time since I watched it. So I, I have vague memories of it. I'd have to watch it again. Maybe this is a good prompting to do that. Cause I do have the DVD, but I think there's like the new Blu-ray is like an even more expanded version of it. Cause mm-hmm. it was this movie that was like cut down for time. Cause it's a, it's a long one. I understand. Extended director's cut available on, in Blu-ray on Amazon right now. Thank you, robot. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, so, sorry, Ron. What, uh, did that come out a little, a little choppy? Uh, yeah, it's still coming in a little choppy, but we'll work through it. We'll, we'll push. Uh, nope, thanks for the email. Ooh, uh, girl. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'll have to buy this on Blu-ray and lend mm-hmm. it to RJ. Yeah, you should buy it on Blu-ray and lend it to me. Not like like when you didn't do that with all those other movies. Can you hear me? Yeah. but the, Can you hear me? Yeah. Are you there? Yeah. So, RJ. Yep. What you been creeping on? Well... Uh, I creeped on a good many things. Um, I take it you didn't watch The Terror, as you said you're saving them up. I am saving but, them uh, up. I'm going to talk about it each week. Not in detail. Uh, that show is very good. Uh, I think it's a certified hit, man. I think people should be watching it. It's really good. Do they nail it? They they do a, they do a really good job. Like I don't think the book is so dense. Like There's so much packed in there you can't include everything but so far in the first three episodes they've done like a really good job at kind of including a lot of the stuff and it's got a really cool feel like uh it's really bright like you get like snow blindness watching this show because it's just Mm. out like it's just like white everywhere all the time and it's a really cool effect like there's there's that and they use it with like the music that they have and stuff like that it's really cool like they um they show that isolation and 
I don't, I don't know. It's, do, do they kind of do a thing where like there's like figures like isolated in whiteness and it's just like almost where they're just like on a plane well, of white and. Well, the boats for sure. There's always the, the large like wide out shots of like the boats just stuck in the ice. Yeah. And it's just like black with white everywhere. But no, it's, um, it's really cool. It's a, it's a cool different like little change from, I guess what you would suspect like a, sh- or like you would think a show like this would play out for but it's it's really bright and uh they use it really well like they use light and the sunlight really well with uh, how they show it off the snow so right it's re- it's good man you you should check it out i like it i, I will uh, i was listening to a, another uh podcast and there was like somebody on there that seemed to be getting like antsy about the uh about spoilers <laughs> and i'm like but well, it's it's, his- it's history. a book it's history that- yeah, it's like well, it's not like it's like a fictionalized account of history, but it's like it's historical. These events happened. It's like I don't know. I guess like if you don't know what happens, I guess good for you. But at the same time, it's like well, you don't spoil something for me that happened 150 years ago, please. Yeah, no, it's like no. This is a real thing that really happened. Yeah, with real people in mm-hmm. real places. It's just like that's that's what I was saying. Like one of the reasons I like the book so much is that. Like how much he put into the actual historical documentation, like uh, using real accounts of things that happened and then just kind of building off of that. Like right. this is all like I'm well, more or less. This is all real. Like these people were out there and they all died. So yeah. spoilers, <laughs> spoilers. Uh, no, it's 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 really good, man. It's cool. wicked. Nice. Uh, so next I need to talk about Roseanne. You need to talk about Roseanne. I'm not going to talk about Roseanne very much. Okay. So people know I uh, have a special spot in my heart for Roseanne. I think that show is uh, legit, one of the realest, one of the best, best endings ever. And it came back recently. Uh, So I went in with a heavy heart. You know, I was a little trepidatious. I didn't didn't know what to expect. so the way Roseanne ends is really dark and you find out like that characters die and stuff like that. And they just kind of overlook it in this episode. They're like, they, it's the show is really self-aware. It, like the characters who die in, in, in the original show, they're like, why do people think we're dead? And like, that's how they address it. And they're just back now. And I was like, oh man, that's a bummer. Like it, it totally kind of washes over <laughs> that really like good ending that they had. But, um, Roseanne man is like it's like going home it's it's comfortable and it's nostalgic I think they they get the feel down pretty good and uh I I like Roseanne I think it had some pretty good like some actual pretty funny jokes but uh it is it's a different time now than when it was like Roseanne's filmed in front of a a live audience so there's like a laugh track and it's it's kind of like not off-putting now but it's so different from what we have like i was watching with andrea and she was really thrown off by it she's like i haven't heard a laugh track in, like forever i was yeah. like yeah i was like yeah it's it's a little if you don't watch actual sitcoms yeah yeah so like that was a little off for her um some of the jokes and like some of the the messages they try to get off are a little too on the nose like there's uh one of the grandkids is like um uh, like transgender it's like a little boy who wears girls clothes 
and they have like a whole episode about it and then at the end it's kind of like you know what it's okay if you wear girls clothes and then like the audience is like oh and it's like it's like i get it why they do that like the message is good but the way it comes across it across is like pretty hammy so i don't know i guess they're like their target audience is people that maybe you need to get that message across really well to. Mm-hmm. But the only other thing I'll mention, and then I'll be done with Roseanne, is uh, Roseanne's been getting a lot of heat lately, the last couple of years, because of her uh, very well uh, exposed um, Trump support. So she is a big Trump supporter on Twitter, and uh, people give her a lot of shit for it. And uh, the first episode is all about Trump. It's she's big Trumpin' and Aunt Jackie is a Hillary supporter and it's how they had a big fight and it's very I don't I don't know what the word is for it. It's you you are watching it and you're kinda like, What's what is this? Like why is this here? But at the same time you're like, I guess this is what's going on in America. My point I guess is it's kinda hard to overlook her real life like support push for this stuff because it's coming through in the show a little bit but uh it it didn't it it didn't come up in the other episodes so maybe it's just that first one but that first episode you're watching you're like there's a lot of trump stuff in here (sighs) i don't know how i feel about this (laughs) so anyways i don't think you would not like it at at (laughs) all not at all so (laughs) but it had huge ratings and it got renewed for another season so it's it's not going away and I'll, I'll be watching. So anyways, you want to hear what I was really creeping on this week? Please. All right. So uh, it was Easter, and I watched me a bunch of biblical films, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to kick things off with something that's hot from last night. I watched a movie, Jared, mm-hmm. called Visitors of the Night. Uh, this is a 1995 straight-to-TV movie directed by uh, Jorge Montesi. You might know him from directing The Omen 4 and Mother May I Sleep with Danger. That hot director. Mm-hmm. Uh, this actually had a couple like pretty decent actors like uh, Stephen McCaddy and Marky Post, who you know is the mom of uh, um, Mary and There's Something About Mary. And uh, that, that guy, what's his name? Uh, Dale Midkiff. I don't know his name, but when you see him, you're like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. He's in tons of shit. So I watched this movie, Jared, and this movie is about aliens, in case you didn't know. So it was a made-for-TV movie from the 90s, and I threw this thing on, not really expecting much, and uh, more more or less, you get what you pay for. It's like TV movie kind of stock things like there's a lot of alien stuff that you're just kind of like all right all right like there's cgi like little spaceships flying around and there's time lapses when people get abducted and freeze frames and stuff like that but other than that this movie has like some really crazy shit in it and i was actually like by the end i was like oh my god so the movie starts and you are in like a little town and there's like 20 horses just running through the town and you're like what What's going on with these horses? And then there's like telephone poles like bursting and going off and the horses are real scared and then they go away. And then like throughout the thing, you like you see horses again and it's never really explained. Like I guess it's the idea is that the aliens were abducting the horses at one point. But I thought it was really weird that they there's like such a heavy push on these horses. Anyways, okay, so this movie 
is about this single mom and her daughter and they live out in the woods kind of and the daughter is the oldest daughter from full house i don't know if you remember that that actress so she's the daughter in this and she goes to school and she's like they try to play her off as like this rebel type where she's like down with school but she's like really smart and she and she's dating the bad like stoner boy so she's really shitty to her mom like steals her car and has parties and stuff like that but i think it's really miscast because you picture the girl from full house and you're like you're not a bad girl what's going on here so she she kind of sucks in this but so the movie is about the mom and the daughter and they're not getting along because the daughter's like being a shitty teenager and it actually has this like the focus of the movie like outside of the aliens is about like a mother daughter relationship and how like a mother's love is this big force. And it was kind of interesting to see because these movies don't usually have stuff like that. So I was like, Oh, that's like a neat little change here. Um, so what happens is the daughter starts getting abducted and then the mother starts having flashbacks that she was abducted and they're like trying to go through this together. And that's what this movie is about. So it's more or less what you expect. However, Jared, However. in the last 10 minutes, this thing gets wild. Like pretty, pretty balls, balls out stuff with aliens. And I, I was just like, holy shit. I was like, where did this come from? So, uh, oh, there was one other thing that I thought was really funny. Uh, when the mom is like, uh, remembering her flashbacks she's talking to the grandma and the grandma's like oh yeah here is some pictures i found that you drew when you were like five years old and then it looks at the pictures and it's all these like really scary ass pictures of kids getting abducted and like operated on and like all this really dark stuff and i'm not even kidding it cuts back to the grandma and like quote she she goes maybe you were trying to tell us something we'll never know and then it, she like just walks away and it was just like what <laughs> because it's like really like explicit like pictures of kids getting operated on maybe you're trying to tell us something we don't know <laughs> anyways that was funny so in the last 10 minutes jared the mom is like trying to outrun these aliens and she gets sucked up, sucked up into the ship and the aliens actually look like pretty good like i thought they looked really good for a t not just for a tv movie like these are production quality aliens they're they're kind of like the skinny gray guys with the sunken in chests like you know that abe lincoln thing that he had where he was like really tall but with like the sunken in chest it's like <laughs> that with like long arms and fingers and then the big heads with the beady eyes and they have these like little frog gullies on their like where their adam's apple would be where they breathe and it's just like a sack that inflates mm -hmm. and i was like ooh, that's cool and they uh they actually had really good like puppet work like because there's there's a scene where one of the aliens is like thinking and it like kind of closes one eye and then it closes the other eye. And it's like this really it, it, it's like it's not off putting, but you're like, that's a weird, like really good little detail they put in there. It's like this guy's got facial expression. It's nice. So the, the mom gets sucked up into the ship and she finds out what they were doing because uh, the mom and the daughter both have little cuts on their like belly buttons. So the aliens were taking out their eggs, though the mom and the daughter's like ovarian <laughs> eggs. Uh -huh. They were taking them out and they were mixing them with their DNA and they were trying to make a mix between human and alien uh, beings. And they hybrid. present hybrids. Yeah. They present her one and it's this like 
like well she sees this hallway of like all these alien fetuses and like uh tubes like cryogenic tubes and then they present her with a a living one and it's it's this weird alien baby with the eyes but it has human hair and it looks really goofy and uh they're all of their babies are dying and they're like we don't we don't know why our babies are dying and the mom is like she touches the baby and it like kind of wakes up a little bit and she's like babies need mothers this is something aliens will never understand and it's like (laughs) thinking back like the whole point of this movie about how like moms and like children there's like this special bond and she's like you you don't get it because you don't have emotions that's why they want to mix with the humans because they're intellectual but they don't have emotions so she like convinces them uh she's like these babies need mothers but this is also why you can't take me because i have a daughter on earth and they're like okay all right cool so they like send her back and then this is a spoiler in case anyone is interested. Uh, they send her back and you see the mom and the daughter. They're like packing up their stuff. They're moving out of their house. They're like getting away. And you're like, yeah, things are great. Things are doing good. And then lights flash into the house and it starts shaking. And they're like, oh, no. And then the mother's like or the daughter goes, uh, you said they wouldn't take us. And the mother's like, it's OK. Take my hand. We'll be OK if we're together. And they get like flashed and they get taken up in the spaceship and then they leave and then the last shot of this movie is the dog alone in the house just barking because it gets left alone because the mother and daughter get abducted which i thought was like surprisingly dark because it's like the aliens are like oh yeah we need the moms and we've been taking these two ladies eggs we'll just we'll just take them because they're gonna live in our spaceship mothers mars needs moms yeah yeah that's the name of my porno uh, so, anyways, that was Visitors of the Night. It uh, I can't really recommend it, but those alien scenes are cool. So, you could just look those up. So, does that interest you at all? No. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So, uh, next, uh, this Easter, I tried to be a um, what, we, what you call the casual Catholic. Uh, fish on Good Friday and uh, r- biblical movies over Easter. So, that's what I did this weekend. And I watched me a bunch of Moses flicks. Uh, Moses so I st- movies, Moses movies, yeah. So I started off uh, with some. Ne- These were actually all on Netflix. Yeah, I did a. When I so did where's a our ser- endorsement? When, when I did a search on Netflix, I was kind of uh, aghast at just how much uh, Christian content there is on there. <laughs> Fucking right, like the way it should be, brah. So uh, I watched me some Moses movies. So I started off with what I figured would be a good way to go. Uh, Ridley Scott's Exodus, Gods and Kings. Uh, I don't remember when this came out. <laughs> 2014. Oh, that, only that long ago. So not that long ago. Uh, this movie is infamous for its whitewashing. Uh, at the time was a big deal, how they cast oh, yeah. the Egyptians with all white leads. Uh, this movie has a lot more problems than that. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, so... This is a action adventure retelling of Moses. So you have Christian Bale as Moses, Joel Edgerton as oh. Ramesses, yeah. John Turturro as the uh, like the Pharaoh at the time. Uh, you have such other classic actors like Aaron Paul as Joshua, uh, Sigourney Weaver as some lady. She doesn't even have lines in this. It's embarrassing. She's in it for like five seconds. Just because Ridley Scott. 
yeah, uh, Ben Kingsley's in here. Uh, ben Mendelsohn is in here. And mm. I got to say, I can't stand Ben Mendelsohn anymore. I, I've had it with him. <laughs> this guy sucks. He's the worst. He's on notice. He, he's like, so he plays what he plays in every one of these fucking movies, like a weaselly, greasy little dude who's like conniving and like evil and wears eyeliner. And it's just, he sucks, man. No more. No more, no more Ben Mendelsohn. I hate this guy. So anyways, uh, so it's like an action movie. You see like Moses and Ramesses. Uh, they're like, fighting and beating up slaves and killing people and there's lots of sword play in this and like i i can see how ridley scott pitched it he was like i'm gonna do moses but like with fucking battling and like real sweet shit like lots of action and stuff like that so i don't know but uh this movie's not good uh mostly because it's like two and a half hours long mm. and it really Scott like really didn't realize what parts of that story were cool. So this is totally unbiased. Like regardless of if you religious or unreligious, whatever Moses is like just kind of a cool story. I, I think personally, cause it's like got the plagues and it's just this dude. It's like Spartacus, right? Like it's just, it's this coming of age story for hot young teenagers Anyways, so I think it's a cool story, but uh, really Scott really focuses on the wrong stuff. Like there's no build up to the plagues at all. Uh, that let my people go thing is just like Christian Bale. He comes to see Joel Egerton. He's like, what's up, man? We're going to get out. We're going to get out of this piece right now. All right. See you later. And then it's like you go through the plagues really fast. And I don't know. It's just CGI stuff. Uh, the rivers running blood was kind of cool. The rivers filled up with crocodiles and they just all killed each other and then it was blood. So they tried to play off the plagues as like natural occurring events almost. So like the river running red with blood, it was alligators came in and like or crocodiles and gobbled each other up. And then the parting of the Red Sea is just the Red Sea just it goes low tide basically. And then they try to walk across and then it high tides again. So it's fine. Yeah. It's just it's boring, man. Like you're, you're getting a lot of these characters talking to each other. And most of the time you're just like, who cares? I guess it's because I watched three movies with Moses and those one, the other two I watched were actually good and interesting. So I don't know why this one exists, but it's, it was boring, man. And it's long and, I don't know. He puts all his attention in the wrong spots. It's just, yeah. Uh, are you going to watch Exodus Gods <laughs> and Kings? No. Joel Edgerton was pretty good. That's that's about it. Oh, uh, Ridley Scott goes shows a full dead baby in this movie flopping around. Like oh, Joel Edgerton picks it up, he's like, "Look!" And the baby's like little baby head and neck oh, is like man. flopping around. I was just like, I was watching it. And I was by myself and I just went, "Holy shit! <laughs> Holy shit, Ridley Scott!" That's a dead baby. It's a dead baby. I, I, just I like, wonder why this movie underperformed in the box office. I don't know. Uh, they don't even have the golden calf scene at the end. It's just they cross the sea and then it cuts to uh, Christian Bale being like 89 years old riding in a little buggy. So, yeah, the actors are bad and stuff like that. Or, I mean, Christian Bale's fine, but they're all fine. It's just 
who cares? So, you know what's a good Moses movie? Hmm. The Prince of Egypt. So I have come to the conclusion that this is the best Moses movie. And I tried to get you to watch it, but you refused. The Prince of Egypt is a 1998 animated film by DreamWorks. It has Mr. Val Kilmer as Moses. It has uh, Ray Fiennes as Ramesses. It's got Patrick Stewart, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sandra Bullock, Jeff Goldblum, Danny Glover, Helen Mirren, Steve Martin, Martin Short, James Avery, all sorts of people. Jared. Why is this one the best? Because it's an hour and a half long. They don't <laughs> fucking waste any time with a bunch of unnecessary bullshit. They give you what you want. Uh, this one has – they don't skimp on the dead babies in this one either. They show lots of babies getting fed to crocodiles. For a 90s animated film for kids, it's pretty It's pretty ballsy. It's out there. Uh, this movie looks really good. Like it's a really done, well done animated movie. There's certain shots you're like, ooh, that's nice. Uh, I think the plagues in this one are the best that I have seen in any retelling or anything like that. Uh, they have a really cool little montage, like you know they always do. Uh, this one was really good. Uh, the tenth plague uh, is the best in this one. The movie goes silent, and there's this kind of like thing that comes through. It's really well done, man. It's a good show. Uh, I think there are a few songs in this movie, which you probably wouldn't like, but you can get over it. Uh, I think the Prince of Egypt is the best Moses movie. Hmm. So I hope you watch it one day. It's on Netflix. There's no excuse not to watch it. Well, there's lots of reasons not to, but it's, if, if anyone wants to watch a good Moses movie, go watch Prince of Egypt. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying here. Val Kilmer is Moses. Come on, man. It's good stuff. (sighs) Oh, I forgot to mention in Exodus, uh, God is a little kid, and it's like a really shitty little kid, where he's like, British? he's like, is, is it a British child? I can't remember. I watched this movie less than seven days ago. I don't even remember. Probably, but uh, the little kid is like, my people suffer. Am I the only one who's never done anything? And then Christian Bale's like, yeah, you are. And the little kid's like, all right, sit back. I'm going to do this. And then it's the plague montage. Hmm. Anyways, then I watched the 10 commandments, yeah, which you did. you did as well. Yes, I, I did. don't, uh, I like seeing the varying stages of Charlton Heston's, uh, <laughs> gray wigs and beards. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I love that so much. Uh, Yul Brenner is pretty cool in this one too. I, I like him. Hey, 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 slow down, slow down. There's... So anyways, you can talk about 10 commandments okay. if you want. So RJ, uh, as, uh, I, an avowed atheist. Uh, mm-hmm. th- for whatever reason, this movie has a special place in my heart. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's like back in the day growing up, it, this movie was on every Easter weekend and mm-hmm. it would take up two nights because this movie is three hours and 40 minutes and uh-huh. they had to play this with commercials. So they'd play it in like, I don't know, two, I guess three, two, hour three hour blocks. So yep. lots of commercials. Uh, and that's kind of how I experienced this movie. Uh, and I was always like, I, I had no idea what this was about. I, mm. I, I guess like, just like living in the culture, my parents, they are like 
like pseudo Christians, I guess. And ah, like, nice. So, so like, I don't know. I had this like vague sense of like, I don't know. I guess some people talk about God or whatever, whatever that means. And mm-hmm. everything else to me, it's all stories. It's all just things people tell each other. It's not, yep. I never thought at any point this was real. So when mm-hmm. I watched, when I watched the 10 commandments, I was like, Oh cool. It's just this like movie about olden times. Yeah. But like, it's just a story. It's, it's not real. I, I don't believe in any of these things. And like, these things would happen, but mm-hmm. you know, different strokes, I guess. Um, so it's, it had been years and years and years since I'd seen Ten Commandments last. I had picked up a used DVD of it and then realized it's just on Netflix anyway. So I'm like, oh, I'll just watch <laughs> it that way. It'll be like probably a little bit better quality, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I plot. That's why I did. So I spent my Good Friday evening watching nice. all three hours and forty minutes of this. Uh, there were definitely times where I was like doing other things because yeah. there's just like. You know what? You know where it's going. You know it's just scenes. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I like. Really, I still like like this movie. Um, I but I have like this nostalgia for it and for moments. Yeah. The fact that this movie introduced me to like so many actors: uh, Charlton Heston, Edward G. Robinson, uh, Vincent Price, uh, yeah. Gene Simon, stuff like that. Uh, so there's like lots of th- aspects of that. I like uh, there's moments that are like pretty like jaw dropping in the way that because they were still using like actual extras, extras to do scenes. There's like, mm-hmm. I think it's like the third shot in the movie where it's a bunch of slaves dragging like a giant block around. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like a giant, like a Sphinx or some, some sort of statue. And you're like, wow, yeah. that looks so great. It's so well composited, the lighting and everything that looks really good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you got Yul Brenner who there was this like back in the early days of YouTube. Um, there was this one person that was like making, uh, remix trailers for movies. And there's always the mm-hmm. one where they took uh, Ten Commandments, but they kind of cut it as if it were a teen comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like like 10 Things I Hate About You. And mm-hmm. just like, I always will think of uh, Yul Brenner going, Moses, Moses. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> it works so well. And like, there's like so yeah. many times where other characters say that. Um, those damn Egyptians lording over mm-hmm. their many gods over the one true God. Um yeah, Charlton Heston is like fine in this. Like he's yeah. just like he's it could have been any sort of big leading man type of character, but mm-hmm. he, he gets all those ridiculous wigs and beards that he gets to wear and they're like fake as hell. But mm-hmm. I don't know. That's part of this movie's campy appeal. because um, this movie is total yep. is very campy. Uh there's like when the Moses baby uh, basket gets floating on the river. It shows up mm-hmm. in this like bevy of like beauties all hanging out, and yeah. I was just like looking at them. I'm like, whoa, these are just like <laughs> Hollywood starlet ladies that they just like browned up, and like they're just laying like laying around, and they're like they're mm-hmm. laying and stuff like that. I'm like, huh, this is like kind of subversive of all Cecil B. DeMille, uh, you know, getting these like broads in there. It's like, yeah, some eye candy in this Christian movie. It's also uptight. But look at these broads. Because every time he gets the opportunity, he gets like sexy ladies to be uh, <laughs> these like good uh, Jewish ladies uh, that mm-hmm. are supposed to be very spiritual, but they're just showing off their gams all over the that's place. What, that's what religion is about. Well, it's gams. About, it's definitely about procreation. It's a, it's a good strategy. Right. It's a good strategy to uh, propagate your uh, re- religion. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. Uh. I I like this movie. Uh. It's like yeah, it's three hours and forty minutes. Mm-hmm. But like, it's it's good afternoon viewing or Sunday afternoon viewing. Mm, it could be a Saturday. Oh. Fuck. You just you you gotta be different, hey. Yeah. 
uh, just got fr- Friday night viewing. If <laughs> you just like have other things you're working on, uh, like yeah. I did. But yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I like this. It's good enough for me to get my Moses fix, I guess. Um, yeah. It kind of just ends. Um, I was like, I think the one scene that I thought was like pretty messed up. Two scenes. Like there's like the whole uh, when God's going to kill all the, uh, the the firstborn male yeah. sons of mm-hmm. Egypt. I think that scene's fairly good. Um, yep. well played and then like the bit where Moses throws the uh, Ten Commandment stones down to mm-hmm. the the revelers uh, yeah. and they all get cast down into a hole and it's mm-hmm. like oh that's cool and kind of cool uh, disturbing uh I, I my my dream it's old testament god man yeah man like my the best my, my dream is like uh if i had like resources to just make movies and i was just like making whatever i wanted to make Th- definitely one of my uh, side hustles would be approaching uh the old testament stories as like horror stories Fuck i think yeah. i think you strip down the you can strip that religion out and you just take these events as like what they are and be like that's really that's fucking horrible. And uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've yet to see anyone do that very well. Like, there's, like, that Begotten movie, mm-hmm. but, like, it's not. It's too experimental. I'm thinking you could do this, like, straight up. Um, but Well, well, me and Mel Gibson have been working on these things for a long time. Mad Mel. Me and Mad Mel Gibson, yeah. We, we got a few ideas, a few Old Testament, a few New Testament. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're working on it. We're teasing out those hot details. We're trying to get at the nitty-gritty. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what I meant. Like, even a heathen like you can appreciate the Moses story because it's just kind of cool. It's like, yeah, this is cool shit. It's, yeah, it's okay. I, it's I guess cool. I, I, just like, I like this. I like the movie just as, like, a whole, like, big Bible epic. I think yeah. it's, like, of the Bible movies I've specifically watched, I guess it's the one I overall enjoy the most. Even though it's, like, Ben-Hur still has that chariot scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is ace um but and i don't even know if it's like i guess i i enjoy it more than even like spartacus or ben-hur just because it's like again nostalgia goes a long way yep i want you next year to watch prince of egypt okay maybe because it is quite good uh it's not heavy on the religion stuff ten commandments is pretty heavy on the god did this but the Prince of Egypt's like, you know what? We we know y'all want to see Val Kilmer doing his thing. Mm-hmm. We're we're gonna let you see it. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. All right. Did you watch anything else this week, or you've been a total Melvin? Uh, pretty Melviny, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, one thing I'll talk about is I, I watched a documentary on the making of a board game. You fucking nerd. <laughs> I didn't. You nerd. I I feel bad for you even asking. <laughs> So, uh, the guys who do the shut up and sit down, uh, video cast on YouTube, they, one of them made a documentary on the board game Twilight Imperium and Mm -hmm. it was like 50 minutes long and I was kind of like, well, I like watching stuff on YouTube (laughs) and I just started watching this and I was actually surprised how well done it was for like a couple of just dudes uh, putting they had access. They actually went uh, to North America. They're from England, and they got interviews with all the principal people from Fantasy Flight Games, which is the publisher of the game, creator of the game, uh, mm-hmm. Christian Alexander. And yeah, I don't know. It's just a straight story of just them coming up with a new edition of this game that's like been around since the late '80s, and uh, the various versions of it, how development works, the history of the company itself. Which, uh, for people who don't know, Fantasy Flight pretty well dominant it's like 50 percent of the board game industry in north america as far as i can tell at least at the store i work at 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like how D and D is like fifty percent of all role playing games, if not more. Fantasy Flight's right up there, um, and this game's kind of their flagship game. Um, it's like a big kind of spacey kind of science fiction Star Trek Babylon Five type deal, mm-hmm. with factions vying for control over a galaxy, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's when you, the people who make this, they're exactly the type of people you'd expect. Uh, just nerds. Uh, who, nerds who like are into board games and uh, they want to make good games and well-designed games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, the artwork, it's always interesting watching these people who make stuff that look, they think looks cool. And a lot of people might think, yeah, that, that's good art. <laughs> but I kind of go, well, whatever. It's not design stuff, but it's like science fiction stuff with space lions, like the title of this documentary. Because that's mm-hmm. kind of like the iconic image with this board game is that it has like a robed space lion man. Um, who's Kind of looks like you. Who's one of the races, yeah. Um, yeah, he's real maple blondie like me. Mm, <laughs> I would describe your hairline look as unfortunate, <laughs> mangy, mangy <laughs> lion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, like it, this was like a nice little thing that they just did out of their own passion of like being really into this game, and mm-hmm. uh, they didn't get paid fucking anything to do this. Uh, they just, because, like, they really are into this. So everyone involved with it was very passionate. Uh, one of the things I laughed at is, like, whenever there's, like, footage of, like, convention floor stuff, you just see, like, people in horrible shape and just, like, T-shirts just lumbering around in the background. And nice. I'm just like, ah, it's so true. It's the side <laughs> of the thing that people want to pretend isn't there. Um yeah, so I, I like that. I like those little things because that's what I love mm-hmm. about documentaries. It captures those little things that people will forget to put in their movies when they're wanting to capture nerd culture and things that they think are totally awesome and acceptable. But then when it comes to like playing with people in public and like going to things, they hate those people and they want to excise them from reality because at the end of the day, we're all still in high school and uh, bullying still occurs. Shut up, nerd. Yeah, exactly. You, you know it. Um, anyway, so I watched that. Uh, I watched a couple other little like, short art ex- films, experimental things on YouTube as well that mm. uh, you won't care about. Uh, they're on Letterboxd, though. They're kind of nice little things. Mm. I think I posted the links. Did you watch that uh, Spike Jones video, RJ? No, you didn't. Um, nope. And uh, maybe I'll just talk about this now. So as a companion <laughs> to uh, the film we'll be discussing tonight, uh <gasps> which is based on a novel by this guy named Jim Thompson, who also mm. whose, whose iconic book, I guess, is The Killer Inside Me. Um, oh, gross. I had already seen the 2010 version with Casey Affleck, so mm-hmm. I wanted to watch the version with Stacey Keach from 1976. Nice. And it's a little bit closer to this film's time, um, by like five years. And I was like, yeah, I'll watch that Killer Inside Me. I think I have a copy of it on my computer. I sure did. And uh, I kind of like was watching this, but like loosely watching it because uh, the, thing, the copy of it, like it's only really available is like a VHS copy and it's full frame and kind of stretched and stuff like that. So it looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know this. I'll talk about it when we get to the, the movie itself, but there's something missing with these stories because I, I mm-hmm. I've, I've never read a Jim Thompson novel but people really like his writing but thus far it seems uh, people have a hard time adapting his 
stuff. The way, at least like what people find appealing about the writing itself, they have a hard mm-hmm. time translating that to film. And this this 1976 version, I went into this knowing that people had some problems with it, but I was thinking maybe I'll see through it and I'll, but no, no, this movie is just like not very great. Stacey Keach, he hangs out. He's like all smiles. And he's supposed to be kind of playing this like psychotic sheriff who's in control of this town. Um, mm-hmm. But everyone, but he's so nice except for when no one's around. And then this like psychotic side of him uh, emerges in, mm. I don't know. It's got Susan Terrell, who usually is a good time, but there's just something about the making of this movie that like, I just found really like, I was never engaged at all watching it. Maybe that was just me. I wasn't in the mood to watch mm. anything, but I had only watched like one real movie other than my space lines documentary. So I was like, well, I got to get something in. Cause that's, that's, that's the life. That's the podcasting that's how, life. That's how it goes, man. Yeah. That's okay. I talked a lot about shows. Yeah, you did. Oh, you'll cover us. Uh, yep. So, yeah, that's about it for my creeping. Uh, unless you want to hear about, nice. like, cataloging of my book collection. No. Okay. Uh, hey, RJ, got any news? Uh, they're remaking a Mel Gibson movie in a gender-swapped role. Whoa. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't, Jay Leno. <laughs> gender swapped that's my jay leno you hear about this <laughs> did you hear about this uh what women want is getting remade into what men want starring taraji p henson and tracy morgan uh i believe the common joke as rightfully so would be to just watch that Chappelle show skit about why you couldn't make that movie because what men think is disgusting and nobody wants to hear what other men think, especially not a woman. So uh, I think this is a horrible idea, but I don't know. Are, are Maybe your, I'm wrong. Are your secrets going to be out? Well, what I like in the Chappelle show skit is this lady is in an elevator with like four guys and they're all talking about her. And the one that always sticks with me is the one guy who's like, oh, I'd like to slide a finger down the crack of that ass. <laughs> Um, I, I, I think that's really funny. Oh. And I say that all the time. Whew. Who do I say that to? Don't worry about it. Oh my God. Um, so that's the kind of movie that we're talking here. So that's my news, baby. Oh, I, I you know what? I've got a, for creeping, I got a graphic novel suggestion for folks. Oh, well, I what know. Is- uh, Nick Drasano has a book called Beverly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can look it up. It's like, his last name's like. D-R-S-A-N-O, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had got bought this book like a couple months ago, actually probably even like a year ago and not read it. And but in mm-hmm. the process of organizing, I was like, oh yeah, this book, I should give this a whirl. And I did. And uh, I liked it a great deal. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of short stories. Uh, it's kind of like, I guess you would describe the artwork and style. It's like kind of like Chris Ware, but kind of in a sloppier kind of uh, Mike Judge way. Like it's somewhere between like a Chris Ware comic and King of the Hill. Mm-hmm. but done in this totally deadpan banal sort of story like where it's just these people kind of living these humdrum lives but it's really well observed um the moments mm-hmm. that it tells are just like of people's life like watching television and like thinking that they're going to accomplish things um uh, or like the the early days of potential mass killers and but it's hilarious mm-hmm. but it's hilarious but done completely straight and dry like a Todd Solondz kind of film which is, I mean it's mm. amongst your favorite types of films so you're saying I would not like this book I don't know you would you might like it like because it's not real like there's no like re- reality to it and it's pictures and it's fun mm. it's funnier that way 
then I guess when it's like real people in front of you. In I remember time. the last time you described something as funny, you you lent me your copy of Happiness, which that was I did a, not was a, find that, that was a to be a ago. laugh riot. That happiness doesn't get funny till the second time you watch it. I don't know how anyone would ever watch it again after that first watch. <laughs> well, but that's a story for a different day. A different day when when uh, happiness joins the Criterion Collection, which I'm sure is going to happen sooner than later. And you'll, That'll be and one of the rare times and, and I don't rewatch and, and, a movie. You'll, you'll have a leg up. You'll have a leg up on for us. You'll watch it uh, again. We'll um, see. Anyways, so that book was good. I've actually read a few good ones, but I'll throw nice. that out there. Uh, my news was that, hey, Ready Player One came out, and it was the best-performing Steven Spielberg movie in 10 years, um, which mm-hmm. like I thought was funny because everyone loved the shit on that movie. I, I have no mm-hmm. stake in this movie. I have zero interest in it. I've never read the book. I don't care. Um, Steven Spielberg has, like, long abandoned making movies that I'd want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seemed like people were really talking about this, like talking shit. Like and these are the people though, they, they watch shit all the time and they think that this mm-hmm. is going to be particularly shitty, but then they went and saw it anyway. And then now they're like, Oh, it was pretty good. <laughs> so like, yeah, and I'm like, I, okay. I, I've seen a pretty clean split. Uh, I also have no stake in this, but I audio booked the book. And this is one of the rare occurrences where I almost stopped because uh, it is a little much. The nostalgic <laughs> pandering is a little it's a little heavy, man. Uh, the one part that really got me is uh, I hate Will Wheaton. I think that guy's a piece of shit. That, there I said it. It's out there. If you're listening, you suck. Uh, he reads the audiobook, and there's this meta point in the book where he's talking about Congressman fucking Will Wheaton doing this thing and i was just like nope i was like i I don't want to i don't want i don't want to i don't want to but i think i was already like 20 hours into it so i just finished was it because you could hear him smiling as he read it i could hear him smiling so i took a look since you said anyways i i have read that listen to that book and i can see why people would love it it's it fits in with the stranger things type stuff but um uh, you said this was his best performing movie in 10 years, and that doesn't surprise me at all. You know what came out in the last 10 years for Steven Spielberg? <laughs> the Post, BFG, Bridge of Spies, Lincoln, Warhorse, Tintin, and Indiana Jones Crystal Skull. Which brings us to his last best or his last good movie, Munich, which came out in 2005. Mm-hmm. But, but keep in mind that the last big opening he had was for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal, Crystal Skull. Skull. Which that, I actually like. Oh, my God. Um, you, you know why, baby? Mm. You know why. It's, you know what, though? Like, when you compare, like, what it made to, like, what Black Panther made, it's, like, half, yeah. <laughs> if not uh-huh. not even, even though it had four days to make it. But apparently it's the fifth largest Easter <laughs> opening ever. So yeah. there you go. He just keeps shoving Body. that nerd shit back to you, and you'll just eat it like fucking goats. <laughs> yep. Yay. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, so I was, I'm, I'm glad to prove like, it. Proved the thing. I'm like that movie's gonna do fine. When people are like, oh, it's gonna bomb so bad, and maybe, maybe it will long term. I don't know, but the point is, who cares? Because its production budget is unknown. Oh, but it's made yeah. like 127 million dollars foreign already, so it's almost already made 200 million. I think yeah. it's going to make more money than Blade Runner 2049, which is also Sad. hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great job. Sad. Yep. Well, 
Any other things you want to bring up? Feelings? Feelings? Oh, I uh, I tried to watch that Gods of Egypt movie. I got five minutes into oh, it. Oh, the Alex Proyas one. I got five minutes into it. In the opening, they're like, people forget that gods lived among the Egyptians. But people knew that they they stuck out from regular Egyptians because they were taller. And then, did you ever see uh, his iRobot? Like Will Smith iRobot? Yeah, yeah, the movie rules. Same director. Uh, and then, that, uh, you ever see that Dark City? No. Oh, you're not. You're not. I've, a, I've you're, heard. You're not a good alt writer, then. I've heard about it, but uh, I don't know. I I watched five minutes, and then uh, the gods are literally just taller than other people, and I was like, no, I'm not watching this. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> um well we're going to talk about movies with just regular sized people i guess uh after the uh-huh. break as we talk about coup de torchon how do you feel about normal sized people me yeah i prefer normal sized people to people who are slightly taller than other people that's the whole shit of that movie the gods were like people but they were taller outstanding en 1938 et ce bled c'est Burkassa Urbangui. Ah non c'est pas grand Burkassa. À l'entrée du village il y a un écriteau sur lequel il est marqué 1275 HA. 1275 habitants, autant d'habitants que d'âmes. Mais là-dessus mon collègue Chavasson n'est pas tout à fait d'accord. Et eh bien les 1275 c'est en comptant les nègres. Et les nègres ils ont pas d'âme. Voilà. Sur ces 1275, il y en a 1270 qui sont comme tout le monde, des salopards, des crapules, des macros et même quelques assassins. Encore Tu fais éclater la tête Mais c'est rien à côté des cinq autres. D'abord, il y a Huguette. C'est ma femme. Celle-là, elle-même d'une drôle de façon. Ah non, écoute pas ici. Bah, là-bas, t'as pas voulu non plus. Bah, ni ici, ni là-bas. Bah, où alors Bah, nulle part. Et puis, il y a Nono, c'est son frère. Il y en a qui disent qu'ils se ressemblent pas tellement. Mais bon sang de moi. 
C'est ma chemise en cellulaire qu'il a sur le dos. Et en loc par-dessus le marché. En oh, loc, c'est vite dit. Puis Anne, c'est la nouvelle institutrice. C'est la seule qui a compris ce que j'ai fait et pourquoi je l'ai fait. C'est pas la première fois, un type comme ça, faut l'arrêter. Il y a Rose. Rose, c'est ma petite amie. Elle est jolie comme un cœur. C'est lui qui m'a pris l'impolitesse. Moi, j'étais plutôt bien élevée avant de le rencontrer, hein, ce cochon de pute assez de malheur. Et puis enfin, il y a moi, Lucien Cordier. Je suis le chef de la police de Bourcassa. Touche pas mon fusil T'as plus besoin de ton fusil. Euh, c'est mon permis de chasse. T'as plus besoin de ton permis de chasse non plus. Et si je viens traîner mes grolles par ici, comme tu dis, c'est parce que c'est le chemin pour aller voir ta femme. Et on va pas tarder à se mettre au lit tous les deux. Et elle va me donner à moi ce qu'elle t'a jamais donné, pauvre con. Bouge pas We're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Coup de Torchon from 1981, directed by Bertrand Tavernier. Tavernier? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Why can't you have a good Come last on. name like Smith? Bertrand Smith. Smith. Smith? Smith? Yeah. Hmm? Huh? And uh, no tagline for this movie. It's not that type of picture. Mm-hmm. And uh, synopsis here from Letterboxd. In 1938, in the French West Africa, uh, Lucien Corgier is a weak and corrupted policeman despised by the local bad boys. <laughs> uh, his wife nice. is openly cheating on him, and he hasn't got any self-respect anymore. But when comes the occasion, his revenge will be terrible. <laughs> like this who, who synopsis, <laughs> the lo- by the lo- local bad boys. It sounds like I wrote that. <laughs> uh, you wish. Uh, anyway, yeah. so I had never seen this movie before. Um, really? No. Um, I had, God, I think at some point I was looking at a list of like secret, like highly rated movies you've never seen, um, mm-hmm. like great neo-noirs, that sort of thing. That's probably where I'd first ever heard of this. And it's like, it jumps out because it's like, oh, this like French title, 1981. It has this like pretty uh, unassuming uh, movie poster. That you're just like, what's this about? Is this like a mm-hmm. romance? And um, you read the description, uh, and it just sounds kind of like vague, and it's like not really specific. No one talks about this movie too much. Um, mm-hmm. This movie's out of print. Uh, it's one of those Studio Canal numbers, so uh, Criterion doesn't have the rights to it anymore. So mm-hmm. it's a sort of a movie that I guess gets by on this kind of reputation. Um, it seems like actually in general, like French films from the '80s, really kind of just get forgotten about uh i think about like vagabond is another one of those movies that like Mm -hmm. no one talks about them uh they just kind of like they got made and uh they're not english so and there's there's other like countries that were making movies that people are far more likely to talk about it seems like Mm -hmm. french french 80s stuff just it's not it's no 60s french stuff yeah everyone's so hot on that 400 blows they can't think of anything else (laughs) that's right um so anyway kind of went into this blind not knowing what to expect Mm-hmm. Uh, RJ, do you know what the title of this movie translates to in English? No, and I looked it up and I couldn't find it because I don't know how a computer works. So I was going to ask you. Clean slate. Mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think they could have did something better. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, yeah. so this is a French film. Uh, it is an adaptation of the American novel by Jim Thompson uh, that I talked about in the preamble part. Uh that he wrote the classic book, uh, The Killer Inside Me. 
mm-hmm. this is a, a novel called Population 1280, uh, which is which set during a West Texas oil boom. Ooh. Uh, so it's a ch- it's transplanted here to colonial Africa. Uh, which we, so the one thing I thought I would bring this up because when I started watching this movie, uh, I didn't know it was based on a Jim Thompson novel. And while mm-hmm. watching it, I was thinking about the character, the sheriff figure in this movie, he being the exact opposite of the character in The Killer Inside Me, which mm-hmm. it was just a really weird thing, though, about this like sheriff who just has like unchecked power who just starts killing people mm-hmm. um and so when i saw that i'm like oh really so i guess jim thompson went back to this well and kind of like did two versions of the same idea with two different types of characters mm-hmm. um anyway so yeah this movie is set in french west africa uh now known as senegal um in 1938 so just before world war ii starting to cook up uh and i was thinking at this point we haven't had that many depictions of africa in the criterion collection uh no none yet not, yeah up to this point this is the debut i, uh, I was thinking of walkabout but i was like that's australia yeah see there we've had all other nicks of the woods we've had like yeah. unnamed south american country in wages of mm-hmm. fear um but yeah no 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 africa the whole, whole of africa i don't think mm. has been depicted yet um anyway so I just mm-hmm. thought I would mention that. We'll get to that uh, Algiers battle for it. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so just so uh, my general thought on this movie. Uh, it's a weird movie, right? You know what's funny, Jared? What? That's exactly what I was going to say. This is like, so So the movie starts out mm-hmm. uh, with this super dramatic music, like mm-hmm. really laying it on thick. And we get like this man in the middle of like I don't know Africa the bush. In, in, in the bush, and he's just like desperate and stubbly, and he's got a gun <laughs> and he's uh, staring at he's kids, staring, he's staring at these like starving, filthy children. They're just like bloated and just like milling around, doing whatever. Mm-hmm. We get an eclipse, <laughs> and then yeah. like while the eclipse is happening, he decides to like start a fire for them. And the score just keeps going, and it starts getting a little jazzy, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's like, and it's like really like, what in the world is this about? And then that's the end. That's the scene. And then uh, we have credits. Him, we we have him coming back to town, and then we get some some hot outhouse action, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you're just like, what is this? What where is this all going? Um, and then the movie starts like laying out, I guess its premise, but like in the most, like untypical way like this movie is not like other movies the way mm-hmm. like i kept imagining like it's like deflating everything that you would expect the way that it shot yeah it just introduces characters in ways that like if this movie was american and made like in the last 10 years you wouldn't it would be so predictable and kind of rope yeah this movie doesn't feel predictable in a weird way but at the same time i think that's kind of a a detriment to it as far as like my ability to enjoy it mm-hmm. um so again, the story is uh, our boy here, uh, Lucien. He's the sheriff of this town. He's the the, mm-hmm. the, the top law dog, and he is uh, he literally is a cuck. <laughs> um, yeah. His his wife is having an affair with her 
quote unquote brother, um, mm-hmm. who he does, he's just been identified. She's just been saying, yeah, this is my brother. He lives with us now. And oh, I better mm-hmm. go take care of him. And uh, they're like making out and having sex. And he can't have sex with his wife anymore because she has no interest in him. But like the guy doesn't realize yeah. that it's like what's going on or he just doesn't. He's thick. Or Doesn't, like, yeah. It's it's kind of weird, but it's like, whatever. Um, Did you recognize that actress, Criterion Creeps alum that we killed a couple weeks ago? Isabel Hooper? Yeah. 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 Anyways. Anyways. So, she here, no Kirk Douglas this time, though. Not yet. Not, not yet. He's, she's been spared another week. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, so, Lucian seems to be pretty content eating duck like an animal. <laughs> Wolf and I, <laughs> Can I tell you something? What? When I was in China... There is this guy, local realtor. I'm not going to tell you who, but uh, he works for a certain real estate company in Lethbridge. If you want to know, email in. I saw him one time eat an enti- two ducks like that. We were served duck soup, and they had the whole duck carcass in the soup. And everyone ate the soup, and then when the soup was gone, he pulled the duck out and just ate it over top of his plate, just taking bites off of the carcass mm-hmm. clean. He ate two of them bad boys. So, you, you have, so that's real life, man. So I've you, seen that happen. You've had you have flashbacks to that moment. I think about it every time I see someone eating duck. I always think about it. Hmm. So uh, it's true to life, dude. Right. Yeah. Anyways, um, keep going. So, so yeah. Anyway, uh, this movie is kind of punctuated with a lot of uh, floaty steady cam camera work. <laughs> um, yeah. And and like <laughs> and we have our our boy just like kind of wandering around, kind of being told to go fuck himself and. Oh. No, no, no one respects this guy. And then uh, we have him a bit where he consoles a domestic abuse victim uh, with a hand to the inner thigh. Mm-hmm. So that, and that's like kind of disarming. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he goes to the next town over, has a meeting with, I guess, like another like a superior who kind of says, you got to gotta get your respect back, dude. You're a sad bastard here. You're, you're, uh-huh. you're, not, you're not doing yourself any favors. Like no one, no one gives a crap about you. And then he's like, okay. And then he proceeds to just start murdering people. Yep. Um, yeah. So that, it escalates real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie took me a really long time to get through. And it's only 99 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, around the 46-minute mark, I had to stop because I had to go do a dinner thing. And so I didn't get back to it till like, the next day. And I continued Reagan. on. But that last, like, 45 minutes, I was just like, huh. Just uh, not not really interested in what this movie's laying down. It feels like a Coen Brothers movie, but it's like does it, it's missing the elements that I really like in a Coen Brothers movie, like Blood Simple, uh, mm-hmm. Future Creep. I think that movie is like amazing. Um, but I mean, there it's totally different approaches to filmmaking and very different a, a way of making movies. So I mean, right. I, I think this movie is like fairly well made and mm-hmm. well acted and. I, I just didn't – I don't care for how the movie was told, I guess, is mm-hmm. more of my story at the end of the day. Um, but I'll kind of leave it at that because I'm sure we can talk about the, the second half of the movie more once you kind of give me your thoughts of your experience watching this odd little movie. Yeah, so I kind of had a similar response to this movie as you did. Like the best way to put it is weird because you have that opening and you're like, all right, whatever, we'll see where this goes. And then you see the way this guy kind of interacts with people and you're like, OK, all right. Like I kind of you kind of see what they're doing. You're like, I, I see they're they're setting the stage here. This guy gets shit on by everybody. He's a loser. And then he's like, then he starts doing his own thing. And you're kind of like, 
all right. But it it does have it's got this weird feel to it where you never really you don't like root for this guy in any way. And I don't think you're supposed to. Right. But then at the same time, it's like none of the other characters are really likable either, except for they introduced a teacher teacher. character. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, there's like one uh, fucking like beam. What are those lightning rod things? Not a light. Anyways, <laughs> a lightning rod. And never mind. I was looking for something else to say, but she she's like the one kind of thing that sticks out, and you're like, all right, I kind of, I kind of a ray of sunshine. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. But uh, so this movie, like, it has this weird back and forth where there are some scenes that I actually think are really good, mm-hmm. and like, there's a scene where a guy gets wheelbarrowed out of a whorehouse, and I thought that was really funny. I was like, that's awesome. I'd love to see something like that in my real life. Mm-hmm. And then there's really fun dialogue. Uh, like one person, I wrote this one down. Uh, the wife calls the guy. She says, uh, ass lickers like you. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's like scenes that are really well done. And like you said, really acted. Like the dialogue is good. It's well shot. It's well filmed. But it doesn't it doesn't really stick with you because there's also all these weird shots. Like you said, like it was almost like a first person, like the bobbly camera stuff, which is kind of like a freehand camera, just kind of roving around. Yeah. There's like times where there's the a camera reminds me of like of the, of evil dead. Yeah. There's, there's a few of those. And then I think like the heart of this movie kind of comes out of nowhere. Also, like you see how shitty people are to him and yeah. you see how shitty people are in general. And you're like, okay, people suck in this world. Like, people suck and then you're like okay well this guy's just kind of a like you said he's kind of like a blockhead he's got this guy living in his house banging his wife and you're like all right well does he just not have the balls or is he dumb and then just by basically be by being given a demonstration it's like stand up for yourself he's like okay i'm gonna go start murdering people and i feel like show those pimps yeah, because I, I didn't. Like, I never thought about killing people until I was given like this sort of like vague advice about standing up for myself, and I'm gonna yeah. go, yeah, I'm gonna go escalate this to like the most dramatic possible way of like shooting two dudes and then dumping them in the river. The river, yeah, and I feel like it co- really comes out of nowhere because it's 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 mean and it's kind of like what this guy does is mean and cruel, but he's also like really cunning all of a sudden and it's like where did this come from like he has this elaborate plan to get back at the uh the guy who taught him the lesson like his superior off officer mm-hmm. and it's it's like a good plan and you're like all right so is this guy actually really smart and you see him like set up all this like really elaborate fucking schemes to get back at the people who like did him wrong or as they say in this movie quote do you dirty he's, there's a guy who's like don't let him do you dirty so he's getting back at all these people and you're like okay so is he like actually really smart he just never had the balls and all it took was one person to be like hey go go stand up for yourself so i feel like that's kind of weird and i feel i feel like the way they present it is in a way that it it loses you a little bit like it lost me because i was like i don't really know why i care about this guy uh, it's, it's like, he's not really, I'm not rooting for him. Like, okay, okay. All of a sudden he's really smart and like has these elaborate plans, but whatever, who cares? And so I didn't really like it at that, those parts, but it's kind of, like you said, it's kind of weird because 
later on in the movie, I was almost like, all right, I'm actually kind of interested to see what he has planned for these people. Yeah. But even that goes out on like a whiff and you're just kind of like, oh, okay. Like it did for me at least. I was kind of just like, all right, I, it seemed like there was going to be more to it than that, but whatever. Um, there's also really weird things in this movie, like, uh, the steampunk blind guy who's like spouting out like weird abstract wisdom on the train. Mm -hmm. He's just like walking around and you're like, is this a David Lynch character? Like what's going on here? There's that, uh, you get one of the weirdest, uh, chicken coops I've ever seen where it's just (laughs) free range eggs just all over the place. I don't know what that has to do with anything. You have guys falling in shit. Uh, which mm-hmm. should be hilarious, and it like, it kind of is, but at the same time, I was like, mm, I like my my dump jokes a little bit more well crafted than this, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know. There's, it's weird. Like it, I we're saying it too much, and it's a it's a nice uh, word to use to say that to describe what's going on. But I feel like this whole movie was different analogies and metaphors for saying that the squeaky wheel gets the grease like every interaction that this guy has it's like different ways of doing that it's like oh these guys are shitty they'll get their comeuppance and it's like oh that guy does this he'll get his comeuppance and it's like i don't know man that's that's kind of how i i saw it playing out i was like this is weird (laughs) yeah no it like and then there's like the tonal shifts and like the com- yeah. there's oh, like because 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 like a big part of it is like the first half of this movie is like a comedy like when the um, yeah. uh, uh, the one superior is like telling him about like what, what what happens if a man like kicks you in the ass out through a door everyone laughs at you and like you don't even respond and like a real person would you yeah. should get mad and like that there's like it's just like no oh, this feels like a like a French comedy. And yep. like it's got that feeling of it where I'm like, this isn't funny because I guess I, I have like a very particular sense of humor that's like it's not, not it's where it's like I'm like I some people would find this funny like uh, the Q-tip crowd that goes to like Best Picture sure. movies they probably be like ho, 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 ho. they they think this movie was very funny and then there there'd be the dark turn where suddenly he's like oh he just shotgun blasted that guy in the stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, and like kill those people and people might find that funny too like a black comedy maybe but I don't feel like that's kind of where it's going um, no you're right like it is totally all over the place like there there's these elements of like slapstick comedy like peep and toms guys falling through shitters and then it goes really dark and that's what I was saying too like it's kind of out of nowhere you're like what like they build the world where there's like bad people. There's a guy beating up his wife in the alley, but then it cuts to like a goofy scene with a dog, and the guy's like, "Oh, that's a weird dog," <laughs> and you're just like, "You're like, I don't know, man. It's it, it's got a it's it, it doesn't have a good balance. It's I don't know. Well, I don't know if it's the right balance. It's just disarming. Like it just it's yeah. so I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the movie at all. Like. It's yeah. like in my mind, like where I'm like, I wouldn't recommend people watch it. And, uh, I would, it's just like, it'll be a movie I never think about probably ever again. Ever. Like, it's just ever. like, cause it's not interesting in the right way either. Um, yeah. like even the end, cause like the end, so like the end of the movie jumping ahead, I guess, uh, is yeah. like, it comes full circle. Um, he's basically set up. So like everybody's taken care of, but things have also gone awry. And he doesn't really know what is going to come next. And he's like, at this point, 
going to keep killing people it's suggested or mm-hmm. to stop himself from killing these like because he goes back to see the the children at the beginning of the movie and he's kind of like looking at them with his gun but he's also <laughs> off by his, himself with a gun yeah. and he's like well he could just end his life but you're like mm-hmm. where, where does this come from like it doesn't feel like the it's earned, I guess. Or my, it's, it's so, uh, I don't yeah. know. Uh, I mean, like, I think probably the best staged scene for me, like the bit I really like is when he's basically played out the whole thing of like his lover, uh, the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the beaten wife, uh, of her, like going up to her bedroom, finding the gun that he's mm-hmm. left there and killing his wife and, uh, the, the bull. <laughs> um, like yeah. that, that's all well done. And like, it's like, but and then I just thought of another really weird scene. Okay. Uh, Sorry, were yeah. you? No, yeah. I was saying. Did I, I cut that, you off? Yes, you completely did. Okay, keep going. Uh, yeah, keep going. You kept like I have something to say about that, and then you, you don't. Um. Anyway, yeah. so anyway, I thought that scene was really like I think that was like okay, this is like starting to feel like something I would I'm interested in. Yeah. And, and then you get the man kind of like stumbling around, also gut shot, uh, and then he yeah. just collapses and dies. And he's kind of like, oh, I feel kind of bad about this, I guess. Oh, <laughs> it was just like, okay. And then there's the stuff with the the other scene. I think is kind of a nice scene, very uh, uh, European international filmmaking uh, mm-hmm. of, from the '80s of like them watching the movie, like they're watching a film projection um, mm-hmm. with a bunch of people. I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen that scene like in lots of yep. movies, cinema paradiso. People are really obsessed with this idea of like the shared experience of watching movies together and stuff like that. But then it's kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, but that's like I've seen that, and I don't know. Sorry, now you can cut me off and continue with that thought. No. Okay. No, I was going to – you were talking about what I was I, – I remembered. It's that other weird scene where the guy who gets shot like two days earlier is just stumbling around and is like brought back to the house. Well, he, was, like, he wasn't stumbling around. He was like – Well, yeah, propped, like he gets he was, brought back. He was propped but, up on the door. <laughs> yeah, but like that's the way it like – the way it gets played off is that he is like stumbling around and you're like, what? You're like, where's this coming that, that from? Was, now? That was that steady cam shot that made me think of uh, Evil Dead. Yeah. That one and then uh, the other one too, where uh, uh, did you just. I'm having a weird moment. Did you just talk about this where he buggies out there with the wife to show her the body and then that's another steady cam no. one? Okay, that's another one where the camera comes out of the woods and he like buggies up on his little horse and is like to the lady, oh, he's like, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. there's the husband of yours I just killed. And she's like, <laughs> good, take that sucker. Yes. Like, you're like, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, there's the bit where after he's uh, gut shot the uh, dude and he's just like putting yeah. the boots into him. And then later on, he's putting more boots into his uh, uh, brother-in-law for peeping in the window, which is all done very... Uh, uh, cash. This is like, oh, that's what happens. Guys are perverts with their ladders crawling up and looking at you showering. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, it's, and, uh, and, it's and, and, and then there's the, the end bombs in racism. <laughs> yeah, there's a few uh, about, uh, you know, whether there are souls or not, whether they have souls or not, whether they're mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Uh, you feel like he stands up for them a little bit, but it's not... Well, it's, it's well, not, like kind of right. So I mean, it's like so it's like period details, I suppose. But yeah. being done in a movie uh, that's like from 1981, so it's trying to like 
grim it, grid it up, I guess, and make me like, yeah. I get more like, hey, we can say this because it's a period piece. <laughs> like, it's always yeah. kind of like a weird line. And I guess it's like, makes it so it's like, even these making these characters even more deplorable, mm-hmm. um, which is like, okay, maybe, maybe you need to like have some likable characters or like char- make these characters a little bit more charming um, rather than kind of just like, oh, these people are, are just actively bad people that like, yep. you can't really hang a movie on. Not really. And it's like you're saying, the teacher's the only really likable one. And even even then, you're just kind of like, all right. Because <laughs> she's not in it very much. And no. you're just like... She kind of she, like, she, she disappears yeah. for a while. Because there's like the, yeah. whole, the introduction of her like on the train getting there. And then they share a cart. They don't have to talk. And then they like transfer yeah. or whatever. And then they have like a bit more of a conversation as he starts to like be like... Because he's a, kind of a horn dog. He likes, he likes mm-hmm. those ladies. Uh, even though it's like this... There's this guy who's supposed to be kind of like a Walter Mitty sort, like who's like a real like yes dear. Um, yeah. He's like macking on these ladies, and it's like he's just like bad at everything. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like there's a better version of this movie to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Even though it's like, yeah, I mean, this movie looks good and whatnot, but. Yeah. yeah, it's like nothing. I'm, I, I don't think I'm going to hold on to. And I mean, I've seen there's some people who like, because oh, people love to say masterpiece and oh, I love this movie. What a great thing, blah blah blah. But I'm like, I don't know. Anyways, um, weird. Oh yeah, and then there's the the bit uh, about fucking twelve year old girls. <laughs> what? Yeah, remember when he when the uh, his superior comes to ask him like. Oh, uh, you didn't go and kill yeah. people. And he's like, where am I going to stay? It's like, well, you could go stay at that place. They got the prostitute. He's like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, they even have like girls as young as 12. <laughs> and it's like, Whew. yeah, it's like, okay, so everyone's horrible. <laughs> well, that's what I, that's what I mean too. It's oh, like there, there's been other movies too, where it's like, everything is horrible. And it's, I'm like, yeah, I really dislike that. Mm-hmm. But this one, it's not even, I don't even, it's not that I like, dislike it or like it or anything i'm just i was like i watched it i'm totally i'm like completely ambivalent to it i don't care whatever like i'm never gonna watch this again i'll never as you put it i'll never think of this again no almost ever i kind of slot it in with like double suicide as far as like my like hmm i appreciate this movie exists but there's like not a lot here for me to like sink my teeth into yep I agree with you, but mm. it's like I said, there there are like moments. I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting, but it's not enough to. It's not enough. Yeah, yeah, not enough. Not uh, enough. Well, let's uh, let's read. Who who hates this movie? Uh, it's it's a pretty shallow pool, RJ. I was gonna say out not, of the people who no, even watched exactly, it, exactly the lowest rating on this bad boy is two stars with a review, mm-hmm. and uh, this Taurus Venus. I watched this. <laughs> they uh, they had the same opinion we did. Yeah. Uh, Bar Brady gave this two stars and wrote, enjoyed it, but did not understand it. <laughs> mm. That's that's it. Okay. This movie doesn't even, you know, it doesn't bring out a lot of emotions to it from people. Uh, two and a half stars uh, from David Bruner. Technically, this is well made and some of the camera work is really interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Overall, though, casual nihilism just isn't my thing, especially as I get older. I get that the awfulness of the characters is an indictment of colonialism, but this was just kind of interminable. <laughs> Isabel's a treat, as always. Her last look is the definition of fashion. Nice. Yeah. I think nice. that, that one kind of says it all. And it's not really hate. It's just negative. But very few people have seen no. this movie, and I don't know how people can really watch it these days other than through illicit means. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched. I had owned the Criterion copy. Oh, yeah? yeah you, That's how I watch all of these you, films. You, you busted out your old DVD, huh? You narc. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts here about uh, Coup? No, not at all, man. Like... <laughs> I don't know. It's. I feel like we've said enough about this thing, but at the same time, it's. I don't know, man. This movie's all right. It's fine, I guess, mm. but I'm never gonna think about it again, and I don't really care either. Yeah, that's about so, where I'm at. Anyway, good stuff. Great. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's all part of the process, going through these things. You, mm-hmm. you, um, sometimes you will come across a movie where you're like, maybe you just weren't in the right mood to watch it too. That's kind of like the thing I've thought about watching sometimes the movies is that mm-hmm. like this, this isn't like a curated list of like movies, like the actual order of it. It's just kind of like, this is the order we put these movies out. It's not mm-hmm. like they've planned a, an immaculate way of like, this is a film history in a box. You're just kind of watching it as they came out. So sometimes you're going to get like a series of movies that like work really well together. And then sometimes it's just like, here's some random movies. Do you like movies? And it's like, well, I don't like all movies equally. Right. Mm-hmm. I just like, sometimes you're just like, this didn't, if, unless you're like in that space to be like, I really want to watch this type of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't get to enjoy that luxury. You just kind of get it in, I guess. Um, that's that's it. Well, that's your fault, man, for I making know. us do this thing. Fuck. Uh, I know. It's my fault. It's always my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, after the break, um, hmm, how do you want to die this week, RJ? Well, you could fall in the shitter. One in the yeah, I, well, one in the belly and one in the shitter. Yeah. Okay. Done deal.
Oh, yeah. Well, one detail I forgot to mention was, uh, I guess, like, so at the beginning of the movie, it tells you it's based on the Jim Thompson novel, Population 1280. And at the okay. end of the movie, uh, when they do the second set of credits, it mentions, it says, based on the novel, uh, Population 1275. Because so, since the beginning of the movie, five white characters oh, died. Shut <laughs> up. Yeah. Come on. What about what about the black characters? They didn't count in the population. Exactly. Right. Right. Makes you think. No, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, but hey, RJ. Uh, w- would you ever visit uh, French West Africa based on the depiction here in this film? Well, I'm a white man. So it seems like I would have been okay. Yeah. But uh, I only go places that historically look like I would have been comfortable. Tough but fair. Mm-hmm. Um, you can email us at criterioncubes at gmail.com and, uh, I don't know, tell us clever things. Mm-hmm. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on that Letterboxd. We've got that Patreon. All, mm-hmm. those, all those things. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Um, oh yeah, RJ posted a video of being a creep on the Instagram. I don't know what you mean. Um, and next week, spine number one hundred and seven. We're going to be watching Neil Jordan's Mona Lisa from nineteen eighty-six. Not only do we get a Bob Hoskins, we also get a Michael Caine. Okay, wait a minute. Did you say Neil Jordan? Yeah. Is that the guy who directed Interview with a Vampire? Correct. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, this is a big week for us. And The Crying Game. Whew, I've never seen that. Oh, you should check that out. Uh, it's good. It's got is that, it it's actually, got, it's though? Got that, it's, got the, it's got that Force Whitaker. The only thing I know about The Crying Game is uh, when Jay and Silent Bob make fun of it in one of those Kevin Smith movies. Mm. Well, there, there you go. Um, so. And you've practically seen it. Perfect. Great. Um, so, yeah, that'll be cool. I, yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen that Mona Lisa. I've got, like, a non-Criterion version of that DVD that I think, like, Anchor Bay put out. And it's, like, in this, like, red sleeve with, like, cult movies on it. It's kind of like... it. Fits right alongside that long good Friday. So we'll see if Mona Lisa improves on that one. Fucking better. Here's open. And then you can brush up on your Michael Caine impersonation. The size of a tangerine. Ooh. Well, it's a good thing you got a week. <laughs> good night, folks. The size folks. of a tangerine. <laughs> good night, folks. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs>